it feels quite unusual to be looking out and seeing people. For a long time, I've been talking to a camera, and uh, the tech team are great. They've been really, really, really great over the last few months. They've helped and stepped in. And, and they do one of these jobs where you don't notice them until something goes wrong. And then you do. But very rarely have things gone wrong. They've done an amazing job. So I've been speaking and preaching and communicating to a camera lens whilst a couple of techie people just press buttons and do things that I don't really understand, but I'm grateful that they do. And it's, it's a tough crowd. It's a really tough crowd. Now, I come from a culture where we're not incredibly over the top in our reaction anyway, but this has been really, really cold. So it's nice to see faces, or at least half of faces, the top half. It's nice to see you again. And as I said, for the people online, I love the interaction. I love the, hey, everyone, hey, I, I love that. Because we were made to be in relationship. We were made to be in community. The first few pages of the Bible paint this picture that we were made to be in relationship with God and we were made to be in a relationship with each other. And when we aren't, it feels wrong. There's something missing. And some people go all their life trying to ignore that gap, but the gap still exists. And for those of us who through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus have been reconnected with this relationship with God, it changes us. And that's why we're here. And that's why it's good to be together. We were made for that. Last weekend, I introduced this new series where we're talking about choices. What do we choose? And I introduced it like this. We all make choices, and those choices create the framework for what happens next. This is not new. We know this. The decisions that we make shape the trajectory of the path that we live on. And thankfully, God's grace and goodness offers to change and to repair and resolve and restore some of the mistakes that we make. But largely, we still exist where God gives us freedom to choose. And what we choose will always have an effect. Last week, I introduced this series, and we talked about choosing gratitude, about the fact that it's easy to complain, but actually God calls us to choose gratitude. And grateful, thankful people are nicer to be around. We know that last weekend was Thanksgiving weekend. This week, I'm continuing this. And the subject this week is a hard subject. As I've looked at this and studied this, I can't help but recognize that to actually do this is hard. Over the next few weeks, it feels a bit easier. This week is hard. And the reason for that is because this week, the subject, which I'm encouraging you not just to learn about, but to do, to choose is love. Choose love. And love is hard because hate is easy. It is easy to dislike somebody. Easy. And this year especially, there's been plenty of opportunities to dislike somebody or something. But love, love is hard. But I believe that love is the way of God and love is a choice. So we're going to look at this over the next few minutes. Love is risky. Love is beautiful. Love is fragile. It can be painful. It can be hard work. It's essential. It's the best feeling. 
and it's the worst pain. But yet God brings it all together. And Jesus introduced God by saying that God is love. And what does that mean for us? And what do we do with that? I'm going to be looking at this today. If you've ever been to a wedding, and I'm guessing you have, there are some things that always happen. There is this moment where people arrive, and you tend to arrive early for a wedding because you're not meant to arrive after the bride. It's not the done thing. And you arrive, and you sit in your seats, and at the front of the, the church building, wherever you are, usually on this side, there is the bridegroom, and he's wearing a suit, and often it looks a bit stiff because it's a new suit, and it's not been worn in, and he's got his guy friends around him, and he's excited, but it's slightly awkward. He's nervous, and he's over here, and there's this moment where they're waiting for the bride to arrive, and often the bride is late. That's often fashionable, and then there is this moment of hush where people know that the bride is about to enter. There's this time when everyone turns around and looks, and there's this beautiful moment where the bridegroom sees the bride for the first time. Time. And I love that moment. And I never know, do you look at the bride or do you look at the bridegroom? I think it's actually better to look at the bridegroom because on his face, there is that moment. And she walks along and there's the service and there's the vows and there's this moment. And this, this is going to split the crowd, both in the room and online, with the vows. Are they going to cry? is the question. And if, if the lady cries, often with the exception of maybe some, some makeup adjustment going on, it's kind of quite nice. But if the guy cries, this is where the crowd is divided. There are some people who think, oh, that's so nice. That's so affectionate. And there are others, often the guy's friends, who are like, dude, not cool. What are you doing? But there's this moment And then everyone sits down, and then someone that does a job like mine stands up and gives a message. And he says, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. Or if you're at American wedding, it's 1 Corinthians 13, but it's the same passage. And you know the talk that's coming because you've heard it before. It's a classic. And we're going to look at this passage, but as we look at this passage, I want to say something that you may not have heard at a wedding. This passage was not written with the intention of being the wedding talk. Much of its themes and its teaching works and is applicable. Of course it's applicable at a wedding. It's a, it makes sense. It's not a wrongful use. But that wasn't the original intention. That wasn't the original audience. For those that always want to know the story behind the story, and I'm one of those persons, this letter was written by this person called Paul, who was someone who wasn't convinced in Jesus, and then he encountered Jesus, and that changed him. And he started telling loads of other people and forming Christian communities, which is churches, and he wrote to them, and he encouraged them. And this is one of those letters. And he was writing to a church that was a local church that had a mixed group of people that didn't always think the same way as each other, and they had good things and bad things, and it was a picture of a local church that looks like us. And the original intention was that this was written for the local church to listen, to learn, and to apply. And whilst it works for weddings, it's written to us 
is written to people like us. And if you've read the passage before, it's a really exciting passage. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts to the church, and it lists them in really exciting ways. There is the gift where some people have a gift of healing, some have a gift of faith. Some hear God clearly and communicate and prophesy the words of God. And these are exciting gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 is exciting. But then we get to this passage and shift from wedding mode. And hear this in the context of the local church, which is written for people like us. Let me read this. And I believe it's going to appear on the screen. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and if I give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I love this. Some of you are looking at it going, yeah, that's not as easy as it sounds. Now you're understanding why I said that love is hard. The way of love is not an easy path. Let me read it again and show it to you in a slightly different way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Isn't that horrible? Isn't that really, really horrible? The original text was written in Greek, and the word describes a brass, slightly out of tune, gong or a clanging cymbal. I remember at one time watching the drummer pack away the drums and a cymbal was knocked over. And I remember the sound. It's like this horrible brass sounding gong. It's a violation. It sounded nice. And then suddenly, where did that come from? And that's exactly the effect. If Our words say one thing, but our actions say something else. It's like a horrible, harsh sound that everyone hears. It stops you in your tracks. You notice that more than you notice what they had said 
or are saying now or next. You can't hear anything now because you can't get past the gong that just is, whoa, where did that come from? And that's true. And it's a challenge that we can do all the right things. But if we don't have love, it sounds horrible. And that's the only thing that people see or remember or taste. Sometimes long after the moment, that's what we hear. That's what sticks. Celebrated civil rights leader, Maya Angelou, said, People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will not forget how you made them feel. And in the strangest, beautiful, mysterious way, love does that. Love is hard to define and hard to explain, but we feel it and we feel its absence. And sometimes everything can look and sound great, but if there's no love, I won't do it again, but it's, it's horrible. So love is not easy, but I do believe that it's a choice. And I do believe that it's the will and desire of God that we choose love. That we choose love. And that, that's more important than all the gifts or the talents or the skills, which we really like. Absolutely like. And they're in the room. They're in the body. They're not just on the stage. They're, they're given freely to everyone. This is the story of the local church that God gives generously. And we've got great gifts and talents and skills in the room, and we want to make space for them. But everything needs to be in the context of love. If you don't choose love, then none of this stuff matters or counts. So what does love look like? Or where do we find love? And I'm not talking about a dating website. Where do we find true love? Love looks like God. God is love. And Jesus puts a face on God. Jesus shows us what God looks like. Jesus shows us what love looks like by who he was, by how he lived, his teaching, his sacrifice, the generosity. When I read the stories of Jesus, I imagine that the atmosphere around him was so good. And people who didn't feel loved felt the love of God in Jesus. So love looks like Jesus. Where do we find love? There are a number of times when I experience the presence of Jesus in a special way. And at that time, you can't help but experience love, the presence of love. There are many times and many ways. But there are two ways especially that I want to say to you. If you haven't felt the presence of Jesus for a while, these two ways may help you to do something about that. The two ideas that Jesus explained, two promises that he made, that when you do this, you'll know the presence of Jesus in a special way. And the first one is when we tell others about Jesus. The book of Matthew, the first book in the Old Testament, ends with this passage where Jesus is risen from the dead. He's surrounded by his followers and he says, go everywhere and tell others and make disciples, which means help them to meet Jesus and grow in their faith. And when you do this, I will be with you. It's this great promise that when we do that, when we are faithful to telling others about Jesus who loves them, they feel God's love. And in that moment of feeling God's love, 
we sense the personal presence of Jesus with us. Two weeks ago, I was swimming at the why. This has been a weird year to have conversations with people. We're standing a long way away and we're wearing masks. I was swimming in the pool, obviously not wearing a mask at that point, And there was somebody in the lane next to me who I knew from previous times. And I had a conversation with him. And he asked me, because he knows what I do with my time. And he asked me if we're re-meeting in person. I told him what we were looking at doing. And it led me to have an opportunity of, we don't want to do this because of religious service, but we want to do this because we want to create a space where people encounter God. That's what we want to do. And I ended very quickly moving in a conversation about who Jesus is and what Jesus means and how that changes everything. Now, it was weird because this person at the time was treading water in the deep end. Whilst I'm holding on six foot away in the lane, telling them about how much Jesus loves him and how much that changes us. And why as a church we want to create space where other people can have that. And in that moment, I sense the presence of Jesus. And it makes sense because Jesus said, when you do this, you'll know my presence. And in that moment, people feel love. There's another time and there's another way where we sense and know the presence of Jesus. For me, I see this sometimes as Jesus in disguise. And that time is when we serve those who have less, the poor, the broken. Jesus was so often around those kind of people and in those kind of places. And when we move in those directions and when we learn from Jesus and follow in his pattern, often we sense Jesus' presence. There's a lady who's not here today, Joanne, who faithfully serves people in Brockton who are struggling and suffering from homelessness. And she's done this for years. I know Josh Brown also sometimes goes out with a guy called Louie, who many of you know, and serve people. I've been out twice this, this autumn with Love Your Neighbor Now Ministries, where they serve people who many of them haven't had a meal that day, and they give them clothes. And last Sunday, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, my daughter Eden and I volunteered for an afternoon. It's only a few hours, and we served food to people. We met a man who had one arm and was sleeping under a plastic sheet in the park. And we met a lady who was pregnant, who hadn't eaten any food that day. We met another lady who was in her 60s, who had been sleeping on the streets for 10 years. And sadly, we learned that she passed away this week. We, learned, um, we met a man who didn't have a coat, and it was cold. And we had the privilege of giving them food and this guy was given a coat. And when we were simply serving, I felt the presence of Jesus. These people aren't a charitable case. They are sons and daughters who God loves. And it was a privilege to hear some of their stories and to meet them and to interact with them. And in that moment, I sensed the presence of Jesus and I sensed love. And it makes sense in Matthew 25, Jesus said this, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. When we serve the poor, it is Jesus in disguise. And in that moment, we know his presence and we know what love looks and feels like. 
Jesus often had a challenge as well as an instruction. And the instruction that I'm bringing to you is to choose love. Jesus had a challenge. Also in the book of Matthew, Jesus tells a story to some people. And he says, you didn't feed me. You didn't clothe me. You weren't there. I didn't know you. And that's a hard, that's a hard sentence to hear. For some of the people that Jesus said, I didn't know you, they, they, they knew about Jesus, but they didn't know him. When we know Jesus in a personal way, we know love. And when Jesus changes us in the way that only he can, others feel love. And love is a choice. And it's easy to not choose love. But it's God's plan for us that we do choose love. He chose us first and he invites us to receive the gift that he has for us with the intention that we wouldn't ever just keep it to ourselves, but it would flow from us to those around us. Aware that often Jesus is close, sometimes in disguise. I want us to pray. I want to read these words. I believe that God wants to speak to some people. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to read these words. This is a challenge. I don't read these words to make you feel bad. I read these words because Scripture is timeless and it speaks to us and it changes us. If one of these words stands out for you, I want to pray for you in a moment. These are the words. Patience. Kindness. Envy. Boasting. Pride. Dishonoring others. Self-seeking. Anger. Keeping records of wrongs. Father, if there's anyone here in the room or online that for them one of those words makes them say, ouch, as is often the case, because in our brokenness we fall way short of your best. Lord, I pray that you would highlight that, not to make them feel bad or condemn them. But Lord, because they need, to, they need to deal with that. And the way we deal with that is we say, Father, I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry. I bring you this word that for me, I know is not your plan. Lord, change me. Change us. Why don't we stand? Let's invite the presence of Jesus to help us. We aren't going to just be better Christians by trying harder. We're never going to be able to achieve it on our own. It is always going to be the personal presence of the Father God, the loving Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit with us. So let's pray. And if you're comfortable, pray as you need to pray.
Lord, we want to welcome you. I want to take a moment where we're not just going to rush quickly to the next song, but Father, we, we welcome you. We know that you want us to choose love and we know that we miss it. Lord, we welcome Jesus. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We say, fill us. Change us. Lord, move us. May we not be the same. May we not just learn something and then move from this moment. But Lord, we position ourselves and say, Jesus, change us in a way that only you can. May we know you afresh. And if you know about Jesus, you've heard of Jesus, you grew up with a faith, but you don't know Jesus in a personal way. The simplest prayer changes the biggest outcome. It's a choice, but like all choices, it changes what happens next. You pray with me, Jesus, I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. Like the list of those words, I've fallen way short of your best many times. Please forgive me. Please come into my life, not just my brain, but all of me, and change me. Help me to know you and to follow you. Amen. If you've prayed that and that's a new prayer, or it's a prayer that you prayed a long time ago and you've strayed a long way from it, then Tell us, tell me if you're here in the room. If you're watching online and you're praying, I want to know Jesus, not just know about Jesus. If you're watching on Facebook, write in the, in the comments below. Just simply write the name of Jesus because that name changes everything. And then I'm going to end with some homework. I was going to say if you can, but the word if doesn't sound direct enough. I believe you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. We're approaching Christmas. It's a great opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. If they're comfortable, invite them to attend one of the Christmas gatherings. If they're not, meet with them. Watch online. Talk to them about Jesus. When you do that, you'll, you'll find that Jesus' presence is nearby. And my other piece of homework, look out for someone who has less. They're not hard to find. But often when we find them, we find the presence of Jesus is very nearby. So as I encourage you to choose love, I want this not just to change your head, but our footsteps. May we choose love and may those around us find love. Rox is going to lead us in a song and then we're going to pray. And the application of this is not in this room, but it's, it's in the week. So let's pray and let's worship.